Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. The Shane Train, NFL Week 15. All right, time to cash in. All right, Shane, we are back and and on our, uh, or my brief hiatus, I guess, we've missed a couple... uh, Couple big topics, a couple things that have just just happened now. So let's uh, let, let's get into it. And I'm just going to kind of jump all over the place, but everything you know relevant to the world of uh, uh, Philadelphia sports or uh, sports gambling. But um, you know, the the one piece of news that's probably uh, uh, the most upsetting to me is Manny Diaz, Penn State's great defense coordinator, took yeah. the head coaching job uh, at Duke after it was vacated by Mike Elko, who ended up at Texas A&M. Um, one of the best defenses statistically Penn State's ever had. Uh, uh, one of the uh, leading the country in a ton of categories. Um, obviously, you know, I saw a mock draft with Chop Robinson going fifth overall. Um, you have really, really good players That's on, on that squad. <laughs> I, I saw That's absolutely I saw it, absurd. It, it was, uh, let's see, it was Drake May. I believe it was Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Fashano and then Chop Robinson. That's why that's the only reason I remember they were they were right back that's, to back. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Caleb Williams going like seventh or eighth. But anyhow, uh, so Manny Diaz going to Duke. Uh, Penn State is not named a defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I guess the the two names that have really been been floated out there have been um, Anthony Poindexter, who is uh, the code was the code defense coordinator with Diaz and Penn State's uh, safeties coach. Um, Tom Allen, who was recently fired from Indiana uh, as their head coach. Um, I. I always was under the impression uh, Franklin did not have a good relationship with Tom Allen, but reports are he did, and I, I don't know, good defensive mind, I guess. Um, the guy I want is a uh, currently defensive analyst at Illinois. That's Jim Leonard. Uh, I don't, <clears throat> I don't understand uh, a world in which Jim Leonard's not the first call um, because he had you know incredible success at Wisconsin, and so he knows the Big Ten. Uh, he's a young guy. He, I, I don't know what he's necessarily waiting for but i think that would be a call but but anyway you're gonna have huge shoes to fill with with manny diaz going to duke and uh um you know another defense coordinator uh, change at penn state yeah i think i think with for this one reason, it's it, it's exactly what you mentioned like i think it makes a lot of sense to go after someone who knows the big 10 well because that allows you to be competitive early on it's not someone who who needs to figure it out and even in manny diaz like early on you did not like manny diaz and his and in his early tender you no, were, were no. very against the amount of blitzes that he ran early on and the timing in which he did that however yeah. as he figured out the big 10 and his opponents he he became a as you mentioned statistically one of the better defense coordinators that we've had so there's i mean there's a few different ways we can go i i I like the approach of either getting that guy who you know is going to be like a two-year type of guy who's looking for an opportunity to rebound, who's had the head coaching um, in the past, like Manny Diaz did with Miami, and then, you know, guy who's looking to rebound and then and then get another opportunity, or stay within the Big Ten and, and get a guy who knows these teams really well and can, can really uh, help game plan against them. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, Tom Allen has been, as has been, uh, um, a name that's been popping up. I'm I'm not still not sure that he he's the guy. Um, and you know the other thing that I think we have to uh we have to have to factor in when when looking at hey who's going to be the defense coordinator? Is it going to be a guy that you know we're familiar with? Is it going to be a Poindexter guy? We, we we know. Um, because you know in replacing Mike Yersich, Penn State went kind of surprising. Uh, yeah. they they hired Andy. Uh, Coddle Nicky, who was the offense coordinator at Kansas. Um, at first glance, there was absolutely no connection between this guy, James Franklin, Penn State, which which is very odd. Um, but it but it appears that uh, Franklin Franklin said this, and it surprises me. But um, he said that when Lance Leipold, who was the head coach of Kansas, still is took um, took that job, he took his staff to Penn State to see how they were doing things. Wow. Um, if you could trade Lance Leipold for James Franklin right now, I wouldn't bat an eye doing it. I think Lance Leipold is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, he was at like, you know, Wisconsin whitewater, like D two just won every national championship. Then he goes to Buffalo, which is historically a horrible college football program. He wins, wins there. Then he goes to Kansas, which might be the worst college football program ever. And he wins there. So, uh, my only concern with, with this Kyle Nicky guy is, 
it, the same concern I had with Mike Yersich, where, you know, Mike Yersich had a lot of success at Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy. Uh, is it a situation where this guy looks a lot yeah, better because deserves his coach is, is yep. so good? Um, so that's my that's my concern. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's um, it's encouraging that that Drew Aller has no designs to to transfer. He he was like um, he needed the question like spelled out for him. <laughs> like he, he wasn't he wasn't understanding what people were saying. Like, why would I leave? Because well, Mike Yersich recruited you and you were a three star. So um, you know that's a guy you have a relationship with. But uh, no, he has no desire to leave. Um, so I think that's going to be the big thing. You know, how do we use Drew Aller's arm to create explosive plays? That's going to be the the two words that um, this guy's entire tenure at Penn State is is defined on is explosive and plays. Um, they're going to have to figure out a way to do it. So uh, we'll see if they go outside the box for a defense coordinator. Um, uh, right now, my 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 gut tells me Poindexter. Um, he had an opportunity to be a head coach of Virginia. He interviewed for that job when it was last open. Um, obviously, he's a legendary player there, but uh, I, I just think that's going to be the, the guy who they're going to they're gonna promote. I have no problems um, with that because uh, the system works. What, what they're doing works. And, uh, you know, Manny Diaz, the one big thing I had issue with him was the blitzes out of the secondary, but uh, uh, he, he calls them at the perfect time, it seems, every time now. Hmm. Um, and, and I think the Poindexter will be a guy that, that – maintains that that aggressiveness uh um, on some of those plays but you know again I, I i think a lot of it is in college football is about is about the jimmies and the joes um, not the x's and the o's so you got to recruit at a high level and you got to bring players in all right let's move on to something that might be a little bit quicker uh one of the one of the locks uh last week that you and i both took was the chiefs minus one you watched yeah, the game i did <clears throat> so the end of that game um and I mean, Chiefs Bills is just the greatest thing ever. Oh, uh, a couple every time uh, it's great. Uh, everyone's seen it at this point. Um, end of the game, I don't know. There was less, maybe a minute, less than a minute left. Um, Chiefs are going in, going into, uh, going into score. Um, Travis Kelsey kind of catches a pass over the middle. Uh, he's down probably around like the twenty yard line, yep. if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. He, um kind of turns around as he's being approached by defenders and throws a pass backwards to Darius Tony yep. who takes in the end zone. Um, now there's mixed. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't hear it out of Travis Kelsey's mouth. I'm sure he talked about it on, on, on his podcast, but there was mixed things. If that was a design play or it was just Kelsey in the moment, just taking a, from what I've heard, a, it's obscene it's, risk. From what I've heard, he does that often. Like he and I, I, I've seen it where he. I always thought he was just checking if defenders were chasing him down, but apparently he does this frequently. In which, in practice, he'll do you it. Mean, often. He turns to look. He turns to look to see who else is there. Often it's he wild. does that um, in practice often, but he'll he'll pitch it and do a lateral in practice. But when I've seen him do that, I just always thought he was looking to see if defenders were coming behind him. Um, and apparently, he's looking for someone to pitch it to. So uh, it worked on that one. Wild. Um, well, it didn't work because Kadarius Tony's foot was uh, appeared to be um, offsides at the beginning of the play. So the play was flagged dead. Um, Patrick Mahomes went insane. He went nuts at the end of that game. Um, by the book, that is a penalty. And I'm fine. Like, if you're calling penalties, it's fine. I understand that, like, they're, they're saying, you know, some people are saying that Tony checked with the with the sideline officials to make sure that he was onside. Andy Reid said that was not true. He did not do that. Um, some people are saying you typically had a warning on, on that. I don't know. I mean, from the flip side, it, it cost Buffalo a game, which probably means more to Buffalo than Kansas city at, at this point. So if you let that play happen and then Tony's offside, then the official gets destroyed from, from the other end. So I really don't have much of a dog in the fight, but, the, the 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 larger topic that I want to get to is the NFL officiating the last two, three weeks has been under scrutiny. And like they're talking about it, like Roger Goodell is talking about it. Troy Vincent, who's the uh, vice president of player something or other with the league, um, they're like talking about the officiating. Uh, it's kind of I, I mean, it's kind of an, an odd thing to see for me because um, the NBA has had officiating issues for the last, I don't know, three or four years and not a word about it. The, the NFL is like kind of taking this head on. I'm curious to see if they do anything. Like it's a very, it's, it's a very weird thing to ever talk about officiating off the field. Like, 
for, for Goodell to do it, for people within the league to do it, it, it would almost never happen with the NBA or, or any, I mean, any other major professional sports league. So it's kind of, it's kind of an odd, I don't know if it's refreshing, if it's weird, if, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't know, I, I don't know football as much as I know basketball and can kind of see those kind of things happen on the field. So I don't know if the officiating is that bad. It, it's just, it's very, just an odd thing, I think, for me to see the the NFL taking like this approach with officiating issues and they're like, Hey, well, you know, it's a work in progress. It's kind of crazy. So there's a few topics there I want to touch on. First, I feel very strongly about this play. Tony was offsides. That's the right call. 100% of the time he's offsides in fifth grade as a wide receiver. I learned to always (laughs) check and listen, 98% of the time I'd look over and I'd check and you know, you give me a head nod, but every, Mm. you know, once a game, maybe, or once every four games, they would be like, Hey, back up a foot. Hey, move mm-hmm. up a little bit. And that was it. And they would, they're very yeah. clear about communicating that because that's why they're standing there. So all you have to do is point to them and you don't even have to look at them. You just point to them. They'll talk to you. So yeah. you listen, it's, it's something that you learn early on. Tony to not do that is, I mean, he's been costing Kansas City games all year long with his drop passes. I'm shocked that he's still on the team. And I think that just kind of goes to the leadership of Andy Reid and, and liking to give guys multiple chances. But he, he costs them that game, and it's not the first time. So that's that's my thought on Tony. Now, I, I need to talk about Mahomes because the way Mahomes reacted was so childish. And it drove me crazy because I saw this one clip of him going up to um, Allen at the end of the game. Yes, yes. that's the one thing. He goes, he goes, that's the worst call I've ever seen. The worst call I've ever seen. Insane. Between that and him trying to attack an official and having to be held back for a call that was an accurate call. And it's it's always because these calls typically go in his favor. If you think about, for instance, they won a Super Bowl. They won the last Super Bowl because of it. He said that shouldn't be a call that impacts a game. Okay, well, how about that Super Bowl call that was yeah. like that, yeah. right? It, it could have gone either way. How about him against the Bills in the playoffs where it came down to a coin flip? He's not saying, oh, it could have gone either way. It's saying, no, those are the rules we want. Like, yeah. there's so many plays like that. Even last week when he got, um, I think it was leading up to uh, the play before that, he got a uh, roughing the passer penalty where, uh, I'm sorry, he got a late hit call where he hadn't stepped out of bounds late. He his foot was about to cross the line. He got hit, Correct. and they called the fifteen. Yes. The fifteen, and yards. that was a huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. Yeah, yeah. Not talking yep. about that. So for him to yep. do this, it's so childish because he's yep. been on the other side of this for so long. And guess what? I felt so bad for Josh Allen that moment because Josh Allen had to sit there and hug Mahomes nope. after all that other shit happened, and and put on the brave, brave face and say, "Yeah, it's football," <laughs> and, and go through all those interviews. And for him not have the same respect for that guy, man, it's atrocious. I hate that. <laughs> Uh, it's that is the one thing that made me wildly uncomfortable. Like I, he was so hot. That's a, like, and look, you know, yeah. If you just run in the locker room, then, then you're going to, you're going to get some, 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 you know, flack. Um, but to go up to Josh Allen, just like Josh Allen is a competitor too. Like he understands where you're coming from. Just shake his hand and walk by him. Like good game yep. and walk away. Like to say that to Josh Allen, like I understand that, he was very emotional in the moment, but like that. poor Josh Allen is just like, uh, what's he going to say? Like, yeah, yeah he's right. like good game to him in the like, chest, but fuck that, so, man. so bizarre. Um, the other thing, like I am, I am, I'm very much a, a proponent of, uh, when the officials are bad, when they make the wrong calls, that cost games that I'm, I'm very big on players, coaches, uh, whoever, you know, using their names, going into the press conference, saying like, call them out by name. They shouldn't be able to hide behind some shield. They're paid handsomely to do the job. In this case, they just made the right call. Yeah, they like, made the right call, and they, they should the right not call. be getting slack like this. They should. So that, that's that's all. Yeah. That's they made the right call. So there's no like, there's no world. And then for Josh Allen to say, I mean, not Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes to to get into that press conference and say like, yeah, the game should have been decided on on by the refs. Like, dude, you won. You won a Super Bowl. Yeah. The, the the reason you play the game, you won a Super Bowl because of a judgment call by an official. Like, yep. shut up. That's insane. And insane. then going uh, back to, you mentioned Roger Goodell, like meant talking about the refs. I, I don't think anything's going to happen there. And, and this is why the, the referee pool has shrunk so significantly. And I'm sure you have friends and family members who have talked about the, you know, umpires in the little league games and yeah. how, how no, parents no treat it. them. No one wants to do it. And it's gotten to the point. So I have a, a friend who is a referee and three years ago, he was a, um, a grade school referee. 
next year, high school. Next year, mm-hmm. uh, Division Three, I think it was. He he's traveling around now as a Division Two, and he's yeah. he's thinking about possibly doing Division One next year because they're so short staffed yeah. that they're you? calling guys up to do it. So I, there's not much, you know, in the in the farm system of say to to have other guys come up and do this and. You know, you mentioned you get paid yeah. handsomely, but only at the professional level. Correct. Before that, you have to yeah. pay your dues yeah. to get there. I, I mean, my, you know, I mean, you've been a referee. You you know, this. My, my my senior project when, when I was in college, like in order to 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 get my degree, you know, you had to do something. And in the school of communications, you had a couple of different options. And um, mine was it was a I wrote a, a magazine article, like a like a 2000 word article about the life of an official. And there was a couple of guys that I. Um, that I talked to the um, the NBA would not allow an NBA official to participate in it. So it was uh, it was a guy named Brian Dorsey who still refs and Brian Dorsey uh, the the year that I I interviewed him. So he had the largest schedule in uh, NCAA Division One men's basketball. Mm-hmm. He refed I think it was 112 games. Uh, he worked for like Goldman Sachs or something. Like he still had a job. <laughs> How many refed 112 games? The other guy was this guy Wally Ratecki, who, uh, you know, again still refs also just like works a day job. So, um, you know, th- those guys, it, it's it's kind of a crazy thing, but but in their mind, it, it is, um, you know, it, it's just like this like side gig that, that I'm that I'm doing, and um, you know, it, it's it takes a special person I think to be able to do it. I am not that person. I say all the time to people like I ref um fifth and sixth grade boys basketball games and you could offer me a thousand dollars to go out tomorrow and ref one game and I wouldn't do it it's that yeah. bad parents are that horrible so who would ever want to ref it? and that's killing the officiating pool it's it's, it's, it's bad yeah. it's uh, really I like bad. I forget one of, one of the neighborhoods around us did it but it was you know they made their the parents uh it was, uh, take turns. Yeah, it was somebody in Jersey if the parents yelled oh Oh, that they, well, they, they made were, the some, parents take turns at, at umping and it, it, it solved the problem. Right. So, well, I mean, you do that at a, at a younger level and it, I think that carries through. It's the worst thing ever, but I'm also horrible to ref. So, all right. Um, uh, big, big, big money, uh, being, being thrown around in the MLB show. Hey, Otani to the Dodgers, uh, 10 years, $700 million. Uh, and just about all of it's deferred until the end of the contract. Yeah. Um, basically so Otani can, you know, uh, buy a cottage in, in, you know, the middle of nowhere, uh, Japan and not have to pay California taxes on $700 million, which, which would make him like, uh, you know, probably 40 million uh, in his career. But anyway, um, 700 million. So, uh, you know, you figure Bryce Harper's an MVP. He's worth $30 million a year. Uh, you know, you, you, you figure a guy like Blake Snell, who's a Cy Young winner is worth, you know, maybe 35, 40 million. Uh, well now you have Shoyatani who's could win the MVP and the Cy Young. So, uh, you're getting 700 million dollars over mm-hmm. 10 years 70 million bucks a year for uh, mr tani uh obviously the endorsements are where he's really going to make his money um just where's already make this money yeah i have i have no I issue 30, I mean, 30 mil 30 mil a year or 30 million made last year i think um in, uh, so i mean he's going to be nuts um oh, yeah any any general thoughts i mean i think it's fair it's yeah i, I think it's fair i mean we've you've mentioned adamantly and i think it's 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 going to be great that he's in a bigger market because he I think now people are going to realize like what this guy is doing when he played for the Angels. It I, I don't think it it truly connected with people that uh you know what he was doing is is so remarkable. You've already stated that he's the best baseball player ever. Uh I mean it it's tough to really argue that with what he's doing on on both sides of the yeah. uh on the mound, I guess, on both sides of the ball. So uh you know, to say he's worth it, I think it's going. We're going to have to wait to see how this contract plays out. I think when Harper was signed to his what three hundred thirty million dollar contract, we all said, "Holy crap, that's way too much." But I think at this point, even you know, a quarter way through that, we'd all say, "Yep, it's uh, it's made itself off." Hit that home run against San, San Diego, and he said, "Worth every yeah." Second. So, uh, yeah. So I think we're going to have to see. I think um, you know, kudos to his uh, to his agent for for working out this contract because yeah, it allows them to not only you know pay him two million dollars this year, but also with that money deferred, it's going to be to the point where he's no longer on the team. He's going to be getting paid and it's going to allow them to just sign more guys now to be competitive. It's going to be really difficult to, to beat that Dodgers team. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they don't need another player and it's going to be really, really challenging to, to beat those guys in it in a series. I mean, how we can be the diamond back. So, so how, I don't know how we're going to be with this team, but uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, I think the MLB is, is, in maybe a bit of a uh, of a of a pickle um how do you 
market this guy as the face. Um, he's not, he's not, he's not, you know, I mean, he's charismatic in his own way, but he's not like a out there, you know, in your face kind of guy. He doesn't really speak English. It's really he has difficult his moments, to market. Though. He does, but it's like, it's just, it's, you know, Harper is this intense, like lunatic guy. Like he can, you can kind of get, you know, market him when they had a guy like Griffey. That was, you know, Barry Bonds before all the started. That was perfect. Um, Otani, like how does MLB, you know, leverage his, his star? I mean, because well, I think, I think what they do, people, it's like, people that don't know baseball. Like if I say he's the best player, he, he's the best baseball player to ever live. He, he just is. There's no real argument to it. He just is. But, People are like, oh, no way. Like, no way. Yeah, Lou, yeah, like Lou Gehrig, yeah, Babe Ruth. Like, what about them? He put Babe Ruth pitched too. Not like this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's different. He's he's that good. So um, yeah, I, I mean it's I think I think a lot of it because they try they want to make Mike Mike Trout the, the face of the MLB, and he mm-hmm. said, No, I I don't want that. And some guys don't want that, which is totally fine. I think I think Otani actually does. I think he he had he is charismatic enough in his own way, even without the even with the language barrier, I should say. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been like when who was it uh the philly fanatic was drawing the the picture of him right like oh, yeah. he, he didn't have to do anything there yeah. and he still like yeah, yeah, gave yeah. him the time yeah. of day because yeah. he knew that it's good for his brand and he he's a yeah. brand at this point and that's where he's going to be making his you know tens of millions of do- millions of dollars over the next 10 years until his contract kicks in and, and being on a postseason team is going to going to help oh, um one absolutely. of the one of the funniest tweets ever was like i it, they it just it was just resurfacing with this happening but it was something like uh like every night, I'm I'm reading a stat. Like Mike Trout went five for five with four home runs, and Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since 1868, <laughs> and, and the Angels lost to the Brewers eight to three. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Like yeah. it's just so true. Four home runs, and they only had three, uh, three, three yeah, runs yeah, somehow. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I'm here watching the uh, Philadelphia Flyers play, and they are going into a, a shootout with the Washington Capitals as I uh, as I speak. Uh, Shane, we're over a quarter and no, i'm sorry we're over a third of the way through the season uh the flyers are in playoff position um what do you do do you just play this out yeah you play do it you, out i mean trade connecting heart I, what yeah, do you do you played out the year to blow it up was two years ago and they decided to to sign guys like d'angelo and and spend money in, in ways that did not make sense and because of that you're in a position now in which you're you're trying to uh, you're trying to build the plane offline it. So I think uh, I think at this point you just you keep rolling and and uh, yeah, you see what you can do. Um, you know, we we talked about this last year where Tortorella gets the most out of his players early, and then you know it'll it, it'll 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 calm down. Um, we're a little bit we're into the season, and this team's playing hard. And I think that Tortorella likes this team. He he's changed he's changed his tune in, in press he conferences has. the way yeah. he talks to the media. Like I think he really likes this team. Um, I, I, you know, I, I wonder though, you, you have, you know, Cutter Godier who will, will come up. I think he's at Boston college now, he'll, you know, he'll be in the system next year and the Russian in, I don't know, is it two years, three years, they can yeah. get him over who a lot of people said would have been the first, first pick in last year. Like obviously you want as, as many bites at the apples. You can talk to the Sixers about that. You, you failed, mm-hmm. I don't know, 40 times on your picks to get Embiid. Um, not 40, but you know, five. Yeah. Um, so you, you want as many shots as you get, but like you have, good prospects and this team is really really young and there's some good players you know good young players team so yeah i'm with you i think that you oh my god tj oshi just uh in this shootout he's the best shootout guy ever but he just deked sam (laughs) Merson. you can't believe it i still love tj oshi from that usa versus russia shootout like ever yeah the stuff that he was doing there was just remarkable so he's he's an american you know (laughs) wait wait till you see wait till you see this deke um anyway yeah I, i agree with you though i think that play it out. I, I don't, I don't think you say we need to lose games. So let's trade, you know, connect me. Let's trade heart. Let's trade. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think I it's those brink, guys. You know? What, I, what I hope though, cause there's clearly some guys that just do not connect with him. And Hayes was one of those guys, right? He's yeah, like, what yes. am I doing here? And, and he yep. left there, yep. you know, Farabee is the one that I'm concerned with because, uh, he continues to get benched, right? He continues to get benched and he looked like he had a very promising future just two years ago. And now, I'm concerned about about what what his future is with the Flyers, and I think a lot of it is because of his relationship with the coach. Yeah. So, you know, Torts isn't always right, and yep. the players aren't always right either. And I'm just I'm worried that that relationship might be wounded beyond repair. Yeah, it, it seems like a I, I, I 
I mean, Torts has got to be a really, really challenging person to work with or work for. Um, <laughs> Bobby Brink is just just de- decaps goalie, like forced to issue. But anyway, um, I, I do think that between Keith Jones, Tortorella, and Danny Briere, there's a lot of collaboration going on, at, at definitely at this stage. Tortorella, they may have led him to believe he has more say than he does, or maybe he does have all mm-hmm. the say in, yeah. in the matter. I'm not a positive um but but it's it's pretty uh i just think it's 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 remarkable what this team is able to do and the no, Flyers i think you're i think you're right i think you nailed it right there like i forgot i forgot the whole fact that like we have briere now and we have jones and it's when they have those conversations like i'd love to be able to fly on the wall because like in the business world, <laughs> I'm sure they have conversations that would not fly in, in most organizations. Like HR should not be in that room because I'm sure yeah. like Keith Jones would, you know, fight anyone. <laughs> like, and I think if Torts is saying something that's lunic, Keith Jones will say, like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like you're wrong in this situation and and isn't afraid to, you know, combat him. Where I feel like a lot of guys, because of Torts' character and personality and how loud he is, they sort of yeah. just bend the knee to him. And uh I think the Flyers have the right hockey minds in there to say, like, Hey, we know what we're talking about too. We've done this. Yeah, so. for sure. And, and not that it means anything, but um, you know, the Flyers kind of brought in this new, you know, this new regime and the new like CEO of the team was the previous CEO of like Independence Blue Cross. And I remember like the introductory press conference, everyone. There was um, and I can't remember I can't remember what entity she she worked for, but there was like a female who who was working with the flyers and she already quit. <laughs> so maybe you're right about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these guys being kind of, kind of challenging, uh, not saying that's what happened, but you know, who knows? All right. Anyway, uh, let's, let's just, just talk about the NBA in general. So I want to get, um, your thoughts on two things that happened very recently. And then, and then just kind of, I think I know what those two things are. Okay. All right. Let's start with Draymond. What okay. do you think? All right. So I was actually going to bring this up when we start to talk about the Mahomes situation, but I, I decided to to wait because I thought it might come up. When you have players that you continue to allow to disrespect the referees in the way that they do, the way that Mahomes was trying to tackle a referee, the way that Draymond in this situation he wasn't, but the way that he speaks to referees, like I look at that and I think that guy has gotten more slack than any other player, and he should have been kicked out way more than 19 ejections so far in his career because of the way he freaks out. But it's like, oh, well, that's who he is. Well, you don't give that same slack to rookies. You don't give that same slack to, you know, uh, say a guy like Maxi who freaks out for the first time. And it's like, whoa, that's yeah, uncharacteristic. Right, 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 Tee right, him right, up. Right. He needs to calm down. You don't yep. do that. So yep. you are you have different rules based on who the player is. And I think that Draymond has gotten his fair share. I think that what he did was... You know, it's it's similar to, you know, what you saw when he used to kick people in the nuts. Like when he kicked Steve Nams in the nuts, it's not a basketball play. He swung at uh, Nurkic. Is that Nurkic, right? Yeah. Use of Nurkic, so, yeah. Use of Nurkic, thank you. And, you know, it, it just doesn't belong in the NBA. It's 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 crazy. Like, he, well, I, I, th- I think the whole reason behind it is the Warriors used to beat the shit out of everyone at basketball and now they're not being the shit out of everyone at basketball. (laughs) So they're trying to figure out. And that's why you see clay Thompson, like getting in people's faces now because they're not winning anymore. And people are noticing like, Hey, you're not the Kings anymore. We're, you know, we're, we're here to beat you and we're going to kick your ass and we're going to let you know we're doing it. It, It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange to me. The guy's been thrown out of 19 games and, and, the flagrant foul number two is a rule in place that's only called if you have an intent. That's that's the yeah. the definition: intent to injure. You have an yes. intent to injure the player. There should be something more than like the flagrant. Two, like I understand you get ejected from the game and then it gets under review and everything, and now he's suspended <laughs> indefinitely. Illness, yeah. But it's like he's going to do it again. So my my thing is you have really two options. I think the NBA is very, very bad at this. And we saw it with Ron Artest. That's the closest example that the Draymond are going to get. And when did the NBA intervene with Ron Artest is when he went into the stands and beat yeah. the shit out of a fan in Detroit. Um, Draymond Green has something wrong with it. Yes. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not, he's a competitor. It's not like, like, you know, and will do that he's kind of stuff. He's a bully. Pat Beverly is a good example of a guy who knows the, the limit. He, can, he, he knows push, the line. He knows where the buttons, line is. He'll push your buttons. He'll know when the ref's not looking, that kind of stuff. But he knows, like, you can't punch a guy in the face. You just yeah. can't do that. Jay and Mons he's done that, that three so, times in the past year. 
So my <laughs> thing is like the NBA should pay to send this guy to some kind of counseling and yeah. just let a counselor determine when he can come back in or not. And if it's never, it's never. But but if the NBA wants to talk about mental health and all that stuff, that's what they have to do because there's something mentally wrong with the guy. If you you could suspend him the rest of the season, next year he's going to do it again. Yeah, it's is. just it's who he is. So, I mean, it's just it's 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 insane to me. It, it really is. He he is just insane. Like, there's something okay, so wrong with the guy. there's a player. I think his name is Stewart, who played for um, not Isaiah Stewart, who played for Detroit. And he was at one point he was like boxing out LeBron. And he was, I think, a rookie at the time. Isaiah LeBron, Isaac. Is that who the guy Isaiah Stewart, the guy on Detroit? No, it's not. Uh, it's not Isaiah. It was a bigger dude. So uh, maybe his last name wasn't Stewart, but he's boxing out LeBron, and he's a. I think he's like a power forward. And LeBron went to like grab, like get under his arm and missed, and his elbow came up and cut him above the the eyebrow. So at first, the guy like was shocked, and he's like touching himself, like am I bleeding? And then he realized what happened. And he's like, "F this! I don't care." That's LeBron. And he starts to go after him. That guy got like a, I think it was something like a 12 game suspension because he had to have multiple people hold him back and he's trying to do that. Like, okay, so Draymond Green punched a teammate in the face. He choked, <laughs> he choked Rudy Gobert and now he punched Nurkic and he didn't, he, so far, he hasn't received the same suspension for three incidents. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There, there's definitely a double standard and I, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, anyway. And you are right. It was Isaiah Stewart in 2021. Isaiah, so okay. Isaiah I Stewart, I'm, I, he he plays very physical, um, which was all the more kind of crazy that Embiid put 30 on him in a in a half last night. But <laughs> it's um, uh, all right. So yeah, Draymond nuts. Uh, second topic. Uh, maybe you know more about this than I do. But from what I'm getting, um, last <laughs> night uh, yeah. Giannis had 64 points against the Pacers, yeah. and he got into it with. Tyrese Halliburton maybe after the game, and then he tried to go into the Pacers locker Correct. room because they they took the game ball for Oscar Shibwe, who had his first points. Yep. So he just wanted his ball. He wanted the game ball because it was a career high for him. And the I, Pacers took the ball because they always do that for a guy's first point. Now, the funny thing is, there are, and I'm sure you know that there are two official game balls, right? So there's two official game balls in case one gets covered in. <laughs> like water or beer or something like that. Okay. So there were two balls and Giannis like freaked out. And then Middleton and Lillard were talking to Halliburton. Halliburton had recently got into it with Lillard over a previous incident in which uh, Lillard didn't like that. Halliburton was, you know, talking shit after he torched them and kicked them out of the playoffs. And he said like, Hey, be humble in your victories. And in Lillard this is, said to Halliburton after Halliburton knocked them out and was, it was prior like, to this game. Prior, this but, was in the okay. the tournament, right? Okay. The in season tournament. Got so it. there was this was and this was only ten days ago. So there was obviously some history there. And now you know if the Pacers did what they want to do for their guy, and Giannis just lost it, like just completely lost it. And this isn't the first time this happened with Giannis. You know it happened in the Sixers stadium too, where he pushed a ladder out from a guy who's trying to do his job and get him to his family. So there's I don't know there's something going on there too, where it's like you know who. Don't take this stuff so personal. <laughs> I, I said it last night. Can you imagine Michael Jordan caring about a ball? <laughs> like it's just, it, it's such an it's such an odd. Like I don't think it had anything to do with the ball. I think it, he viewed it as, he "Hey, these people about... are trying to disrespect okay. me." Okay. And so there was a scenario that happened in Philadelphia in which yeah, the... the pronger took the puck away from. Uh, it was the first, I think, winner in the Chicago series when they were, when they were okay. there. Yes. And it was, um, he took the puck yeah. away and uh, they were looking for the puck and they asked Pronger where it was. He said, I threw in the trash. <laughs> so like, there's definitely people that do that for a reason right now, the way the Pacers explained it, it seems like they, it wasn't anything against Giannis. It was just, they were doing it for their guy and they weren't like, Oh, well, Giannis had 64 points and this is like what weighs yeah, higher. Yeah, does the assistant matter. to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the coach like know that that's Giannis's game oh. high and they would really want the ball? Like, I don't The guy, it's not like, it's not Tyrese Halliburton grabbing the ball and running away. Like, yeah, because exactly. <laughs> he knows it's, yeah. Giannis is a, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a screw loose, but uh, um, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are hype about Giannis's 64 last night. Um, is there an argument for anyone better than Joel Embiid so far this year? Yeah. Who? 
Jokic. Jokic. And yeah. Embiid is Embiid's playing three quarters a game and, and just dominating. He's basically averaging a triple double in three quarters. There's a it's chance true. that Jokic leads the league in points, which is why he's farthest behind. Him. Not happening. Right now, Not he's happening. leading in rebounds yeah, and he's no third in, in assist really? as a center. I, I mean, <laughs> that guy gets. Um, does not get the respect he deserves. Uh, he's got like 10 MVPs. He gets plenty. Hold on. I want to see his numbers. All right. So he's 10th. He's 10th in points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, First I, I cannot believe he, I can't believe he leads the league in rebounds. Yep. Well, that's 12.4. Right? I think I was, game. that's yeah. wild. All right. Well, yeah, I guess he is. Um, It just feels like if MB can stay healthy, if he can stay well, like he's getting sick. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other people that they're talking about, but they're really like, they're just being tossed in there because they need to be like Halliburton. It's a nice story, but like he's not on the same level as those two guys. Um, I I do need to Booker see Booker is having a great year, but he's yeah, not yeah, on the same level as those guys. I need to see a, a stat though. Like, I mean, you can probably figure it out quite easily. But if Embiid played, let's say like against a good team, Embiid plays say forty one or forty to forty two minutes a game. If he just did that every single night. What do those numbers look like? Well, that's like if you played. If, so it's a if per thirty-six. 40... Look at that number. So, so they per... they they round everyone's down to like what would this be if they only played thirty-six minutes? All right, let me find this on per. Okay. Uh. So for Embiid, for instance, thirty-four points a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Um. Oh, his career is pretty good too. Uh, anyway, uh, great player. Any any thoughts on the Sixers? Kind of what you expected so far? Any surprises? Any disappointments? Anything uh, jumps out? I mean, it, it has to be Maxi. His his progress. I think Embiid has not taken a step back and has remained healthy. But it's really Maxi's evolution into what should be his first All Star season. I think this team overall is just so much more fun to watch than it was last year. Like yeah. I, it looks like they have fun out there. Like. I'm glad that Milton's getting more of an opportunity because he's playing well. Ubre, once he comes back from uh, his hiatus, yeah. uh, I mean, he was playing really well before before he took off. Now, granted, yeah, get his legs back under him. Yeah, and yeah. like Tobias just looks so much more energized, and it's really like he's had that all along. It's just they've put him in positions where it's like, hey, stand in the corner, yeah, and if you catch a ball with two seconds left, shoot it. And now they're like, hey, you know, get the ball and transition and attack the basket, and he's good at that because he's he's a big dude. He's bigger and stronger than most players that are on the court. And yep. most of the time he gets a mismatch because, you know, you're putting your biggest guy on Embiid and you're putting your quickest guy on other people. So he, he tends to have a size mismatch um, or a quickness yeah. mismatch depending on who's playing against. So um, I think it's just the, the energy that I see from the Sixers team and the, the enthusiasm they have for playing basketball. You're right there. I mean, they are a fun team to watch. There's absolutely no, no doubt in that. You know, I saw, um, I saw a video uh, circulating online. It was uh, so I guess yesterday was uh, Nick Batum and Robert Covington's birthday. So they get on the plane after the game against Detroit and Mo Bamba and uh, and Melton get on like the, you know, on like the flight attendant speakerphone and they like sing happy birthday. But somebody was like taking video of the inside of their plane. And I thought it was very interesting. So the very like the very front of the plane where they're standing, there's uh four seats like two on each side of a table like there's a table in the middle yep and so at that table which obviously would be the premier spot in the plane was Embiid uh next to Harris and across from Maxi and the fourth person at the table Pat Beverly <laughs> and I'm like wow. how how does he get that spot <laughs> but uh yeah I thought, I thought it was interesting I thought it's cool that um you know Embiid and Maxi seem to have a have a good relationship uh not just for that but but you know you see them they're kind of they definitely do I mean it's like I think I think it's huge it's important it's, it's such it's, a healthy relationship Maxie. because yes. Maxi knows that, hey, this is Embiid's team. And Embiid knows that, I mean, he calls yeah. him the franchise. He knows he's not going to get it's there great. without yeah. Maxi. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you do as much as you can. And, you know, I'm on board with it because they just, they have complimenting games. Yep. And Embiid hasn't always had a player that, that's had that. Um, so it's great to see. All right. Last, uh, last, last thing here that we, we have not had a chance to talk about yet is the college football playoff is set. Uh, so you will have number uh, number one Michigan playing number four Alabama uh, after Alabama was able to knock off Georgia in the SEC championship game and Michigan was able to beat uh, Iowa in, in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, yeah, the Big Ten championship game. And then you're going to have uh, Texas playing Washington as a two three game. Um, you know, Texas looks great. They 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 took it to Oklahoma State, a team that I thought was playing really well. Um, you know, Washington looks very good. They were able to beat Oregon a second time. Not easy to do. Uh, I hate 
uh, putting Pac Pac twelve teams in there, Pac whatever they're called called now. Um, <laughs> because I just think that Pac they're two. they're going to get stomped. We saw the last time Washington was in the playoff and Penn State got snubbed uh, because of it, and uh, I think Alabama beat them forty nine nothing. So, uh, you, you know, the playoff is set, but but the the uh, the scuttlebutt talk is a undefeated ACC champion Florida State was left out. Uh, as was a, a Georgia team that lost, you know, was at first in the entire year, lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and they were left out. Do you have any qualms with with the way the uh, college football playoff committee uh, handled the selection process? The most difficult one in, in the in the eleven or twelve years of the of yeah, the fourteen yeah. playoff, I think. Uh, I I don't. I mean, people can find reasons to get upset over everything, and sure. I look at this, and I'm if I really wanted to waste my mental energy, I could find reasons to be upset. Now, granted, if I'm, let's just, you know, let's just walk through this. If I'm a Georgia fan and I mm -hmm. say, Hey, Alabama has got the benefit of the doubt four or five times over the past 12 years, we've won it. You know, the past two years, yeah. we should have gotten the benefit of the doubt and been the fourth seed, right? Maybe we're not the first seed anymore, but we should have been the fourth seed. That's a fair argument. FSU yeah. saying, Hey, we went undefeated. There's a few teams that did not go undefeated, and you know we we should be in there. Uh, you know, you can't really argue with that. I mean, Alabama, tough start to the season. They go through and they they run the table at the end, and they're playing same with same with Texas. Right? They they lost a game early. Yeah. Um, Some of the best football. Okay, I can't really like so I, again. I, it's tough with four teams. I, I don't think the expansion to twelve teams is going to help. Honestly, I was talking to someone about this recently because they're saying like, oh, yeah, Penn State's like never made it. They're always on the outskirts. I'm like, yeah, it's because they can't beat a good team. Right. So when they expand yeah. it, am I excited? No. I mean, yeah, they have an opportunity, but ultimately they're, you know, they can't beat a good team. So if they can't be a good team, they're not going to win it. Right. So I, I, yeah, I think that that is just that's the game for Penn State that you have to now be able to beat. Michigan, Ohio State, and Washington. Maybe you know Oregon's going to be down. USC will be down. UCLA will be down. But you know, eventually those teams will get going. Um, it looks like Nebraska is going to flip the number one player in the country, so they're going to have their quarterback. Uh, Indiana has Kirk Signetti as their coach now. J you know the guy who turned JMU or not turned J turned JMU into a you know dominant uh, FBS team almost immediately, and now they get a quarterback in Curtis Rourke from Ohio. So the the Big Ten's good. Uh, my, my only concern is like I I, I do think that. Uh, I think Georgia would would beat Washington. I think Florida State would beat Washington. I think Ohio State would beat Washington. Uh, so Washington is the team that kind of throws me off. But hey, credit to them for beating. You know, they beat Oregon twice, yeah, and they were the big time dogs the last time around. Um, you know, uh, one of our our, our believe colleagues I saw tweeted at uh, 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 Joe DeLeon, who has a couple podcasts um, for Believe. He he kind of read the fine print, and one of the things in the playoff like selection committee guidelines is availability of key players. Florida state's defense is great. I'm very, very upset that Jared versus isn't going to have an opportunity on the stage. Like they have a great defense. They can stop a lot of teams, but without your quarterback, without Jordan Travis, they have zero yeah. chance. They, 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 it would have been, it would have been a laugher against Michigan. I mean, it would have been a laugher. I'm sorry. It would have been bad. Um, Michigan's defense was not going to give, you know, the third string Florida state quarterback, anything to work with. Yep. So that's part of it that has to get factored in. It, it sucks. It, I would be furious if I was a Florida State fan. I, I feel bad for for a lot of talented players on that team, but but ultimately that's part of it. You know that going in, and it sucks that you know your quarterback got hurt, so now you don't get to play in this game. It, it's tough, but but I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's what we have. It's a system in place yep. right now, and uh, there's not you know the, 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 like I said, everyone can argue everything, but it just it's a tough. Uh, Tough job, but uh, but I think there'll be you know there'll be some good games uh, at least we'll have competitive games for uh for the playoff. One question for you to to wrap this up: the mm -hmm. Phillies to talk about them real quick. So Nola got resigned, right? Mm -hmm. Great, great for for the city uh, to have him here for throughout his entire career. He's really the player that started this this yeah, whole awesome. run that we're on. Yep. Uh, a report came out today that the Phillies are making a serious push for the Japan ace Yamamoto. And they are the latest player to come into that conversation. It's, you know, the Phillies were never really tied to Otani. However, they, you know, there are some rumblings that maybe Trout will ask to be traded back mm -hmm. home. Uh, that has come about to say, hey, uh, we are not trading Trout under any circumstance. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on the Phillies potentially adding, uh, 
I guess a third ace, you could say, yeah. ace, third <laughs> ace to uh, to this rotation. So I, I read something today that that Bryce Harper like narrated a recruitment video, <laughs> which is is kind of funny. But um, uh, yeah. So I think that this is just new for the Phillies. Like they've never gotten, they've never, and, and you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, um, the players from Japan are drawn towards Los Angeles, Seattle, New York. That just is where they go. Um, and, and I don't know if that's just, you know, larger Japanese populations. I know, I know Seattle does have a, have a large Japanese population and maybe that's why Ichiro thought, well, Hey, this is where I'm going to go. Or, well, no, most of them are at the West coast because it's the shortest flight home to Japan. Flight, uh, okay, that makes unless sense. Yeah, you no. go to a big city, like the, it typically it's only been the Yankees because they'll yeah. usually yeah. pay twice as much as any of those other teams. Yeah. But, but also like how often you find home you're, you're playing major league baseball. You're, you're occupied like 250 days a year. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it would be awesome. I, I, cause I think that, um, I think the look, city would embrace it. We still have, Oh, you still have to have to, um, you know, think you're you're looking at Andrew Painter was mm. the number one prospect in baseball before you know he hurt his he's hurt his elbow and they took every precaution with him. He probably could have pitched last year, but they said, so you're still you know you still have this guy. Um, now you have Nola back, you have you have Wheeler back, you have Suarez, and you can add you know you can add another ace into into that mix. I mean. I, I think it, I think it would be a huge, huge get for for the Phillies, and and that would I, that would send a message to the rest of baseball. I think like, hey, we're you know we're serious. I, I understand the Dodgers lineup, I understand it, but Trey Turner turned it on. You know, you're, you're going to have probably a, a fully healthy Bryce Harper for the first time in God knows how long. You know, it feels like it's been two years that has been healthy. Like the Phillies have a really good lineup too. Um, there's still moves come in the outfield. I mean. You're not going to dangle Cassianos out there unless you, no, you're confident and, that you're going to get and, something and, and worthwhile in return. Absolutely. And Dombrowski is the kind of guy who is going to kind of, he's lurking a little bit. Like he, he, he doesn't have quiet off seasons ever, but they usually start a little bit slow. So I think that's, that's what's going to happen for the Phillies, but this will be uh, Yamamoto would be just a huge get. It would be great. Place your bets. All right. The past few weeks, we have not shared our picks together. Over the podcast. So let's uh, just move right on into this week. <laughs> and they have not gone well for you. So you no. have been two and eight over that span. Myself, you know, a healthy five and five. Our records have now dipped. And oh, we yeah. have we have a stretch here coming up with let's see, one, two, three, four weeks left in the in the regular season. You have dipped below 50% Ugh. after going on an absolute tear from week four until week let's see nine you went on an absolute tear so you are now at 49.2 percent i am at 52.4 percent so we both need to bump this up going into the playoffs we got time Let's get started. I I'm going to go through these. I games. took the Raiders, by the way. I took the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other. And uh, yeah, I yeah. I have six picks that I like. So throughout this, I'm going to try and narrow it down to five. Typically, I'm trying to get a a fifth one in there. I'm I'm doing the opposite today. I have six that I like. Depending on how this conversation goes, I'm going to narrow it down. All right. Three Saturday games, which which I love. We're starting oh. off with the Vikings versus Hate the it. Bengals. The Bengals are minus three. Bengals minus three. Buying yeah, I'm, in. I'm staying away. Buying right in. Now. I'm buying in. You're doing. You're doing what? I'm staying away right now. Anyway, all right. Uh, I was. In. I was leaning toward the Bengals too. Browning. Yeah. I know. I know Jefferson's coming back. Nick Mullins. I don't know what to make of it. So, uh, yeah, oh, you've. Uh, so last week, when you when you texted me for the picks and you mm-hmm. you tweeted out last week, mm-hmm. my, I had my fifth pick as the the Bengals, and I switched it out for the Panthers. I, I simply don't know why. So that turned a great week into a good week, right? I, yeah. I went 60% instead of 80%. Uh, I, I still don't know why I did that. Um, the other game I had in there was the Eagles, but I, uh, or I'm sorry, the Cowboys, but I, I swapped that out for another winner. So yeah. that doesn't really matter. All right. The next game, Steelers versus Colts. Colts are favorites at home. Minus one and a half. Trubisky versus Minshew. Yeah, stay away. <laughs> yes, yeah, stay away. Uh, I was leaning toward the Broncos in this game. Four and a half points visiting the Lions. I don't know if you realize this, but the Broncos have been on a tear after getting oh. annihilated by Miami, and they're only one game behind the Chiefs yeah. for oh, yeah. the AFC West. Uh, I, I'm aware. I am staying away from it um, because I still can't. I, like, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I can't make heads or tails of Detroit. They could come out and kill somebody. They could get killed. I, I still firmly believe they played great. They, they really played good football, but Denver's playing really well too. And this could be a game where like, ah, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. going to, it's going to happen for, uh, it seems like it's a get great um, spot for the lions. However, it also seems like the lions for the past three to four weeks have not been the same lines that we saw in the first eight weeks. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it like I'm shocked that they're nine and four. Like if you told me going into the, I can't remember what I said, you know, their, their win total, well, their win total is probably eight or seven or something going yeah, into something the season. Bad. Right. I mean, so they're crushed. So it's, it's almost house money, but yeah, I mean, the Broncos are feisty. So um, yeah, stay away from me. All right. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this next game. The chiefs <laughs> visiting the Patriots chiefs are seven and a half point fa- uh, favorites on the road. All right. This is a get right game for, for uh, Casey's defense. I'm taking mm. the chiefs on the road. Minus seven and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm lean. So I'm not taking that, but I'm leaning that way too. That's my thought. Like, I, and I'm also going against Mahomes and fantasy this week. So I'm a little nervous because I think oh, yeah. after last week they're going to be pissed, and I think they're going to try and try and get right. And also, you see what the Patriots have been doing. They just can't put up points. So yeah. I think you're right. I think it, it yeah. comes down to the defense more so than the offense in this oh, yeah. one. I'm, I'm this fully defensive. And play even me. if it's a you know a seventeen three game, seventeen nothing game, yeah. I, I could see that happening. Yep. Okay. Uh, another AFC East battle, the jets plus nine and a half coming off a big win last week against the Texans are visiting the dolphins who had a, uh, absolute collapse against the Titans last week, nine and a half points, uh, Zach Wilson back under the helm thoughts. Uh, stay away from me. Yeah. Is, is Hill playing in this game? Have they announced that yet? Uh, he has not practiced at all this week. Um, it, it, it looks like tomorrow will be the, the determining factor if they're going to ramp him up or, or not. Um, they got, they want to win. I, I yeah. mean, it's not like they're, they're in the playoffs no, and coasting and all that stuff. They want to win this game. So I would imagine, I, I have him in fantasy. It, it, it makes or breaks my, my playoff game if he plays or not. So, because if he doesn't, it's Odell Beckham Jr. in for him. So uh, it's going to be, you know, I don't have slim pickings on, on receiver, but uh, as of now, he is not, he has not practiced, um, but it's not necessarily out of the, uh, out of the ordinary that he wouldn't practice yeah. up until, you know, this point. So we'll, yeah, see, we'll so know better tomorrow. The, I have a, have a future on Tyreek Hill to win MVP and it is, I think 76 to one. Um, and right now I'm looking at it and him getting hurt in that game, although he no longer has like the yards or the touchdowns that obviously would look good at the end of the year. I think that game is just a case study and why he should be the MVP on the Dolphins over Tua. Right. Oh, I think yeah. that I think that game should go a long way with that. Oh, yeah. uh, that is my uh, my public service announcement for my own MVP. vote. <laughs> The next game, the Bears visiting the Browns. The Browns minus three at home with Joe Flacco leading the charge. Yeah, I was very close taking the Bears, but uh, I'm, I'm ultimately staying away. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to end up betting the Bears, so I'm not locking it up as one yeah, by five. Yeah. And uh, the Bears are playing well. Ever since that sweat trade, yeah. they gave up a second round pick for him, and he changed their defense. Yeah. Completely changed their defense. And Fields is obviously playing for his job, either here or with the you know Falcons or, or Vikings next year. So I think yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, uh, they're they're playing well right now. The next game, the Texans versus the Titans. Titans my straight home right now. Joe will C.J. Stroud suit up. Uh, my fantasy quarterback. Um, I, I I think I think he will. Um, still still another guy has not practiced. Um, I'm on the Titans uh, regardless. Um, so Stroud really struggled against, uh, against the, the Jets, you know, good pass defense. So last week that when he played them, um, even before, you know, actually that game, um, Titans are coming off a really emotional win. And this is usually a spot where I look for a letdown, but I think Rabel's the type of coach where that's not going to happen to this team. So I'm going to go with the Titans minus three. I'm on the Titans minus three as well. And I, I, and look, if same... Stroud doesn't play, then you're, then you look like yeah. a genius <laughs> you know? so. for the same reasons that you mentioned, but it's also when, uh, the Titans had those two turnovers inside the 20, 30 yard line last week against the Dolphins. They went down 14 with four minutes left. You knew the game was over. Yeah. And then the Titans just, they just kept playing football. Like it's as simple as they just kept playing football. Like they didn't yep. do anything yep. different. They just kept playing. And <laughs> the fact that Hopkins was open all day long was, was truly remarkable. I think it's going to be much of the same uh, against the Texans this week. Yep. Titans mastery next game. The G-Men, the Giants, coming off a, a big Cutlets. win. Yeah, yeah, right. Coming off a big win last week. Visiting the Saints, the NFC South, they have three teams tied at six and seven know, right now. Stupid. The Saints being one of them. 
doesn't it feel like it's always like that in the NFC South? Like yeah, the best how yeah, many years? They it's been horrible. Rotate. Ever since um, Breeze left, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing for me. Uh, I'm staying away as well. The next game, staying in the NFC South, the Falcons visiting the Panthers. Panthers plus three. I, as I mentioned, subbed them in last week. That was a terrible idea. However, did, if you watched any of that game, they did not deserve to lose by 20. They were, they were like, it was a competitive game. Just a few bad bounces. So Falcons, I read something this week that said that I think um, I think every single one of their games so far has been a within three and a half points. Uh, all of their spreads right, have been yeah. within three and a half, three and a half points. So what do you what do you make of this one? Uh, tickets are going for 45 <laughs> cents a piece. There are tickets for 45 oh, okay. cents. People are selling uh, Panthers plus three. Uh, it's going to be a tight game. The Falcon, the Falcons aren't great. I mean, so you're taking honest, the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers plus three. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, you said last week, it, it, the score was a lot worse than worse than it looked. I think so. Yeah, I'm there the was the only downside for me is is Bryce Young in the fourth quarter had a guy wide open well, he's streaking not, down the he's field, just struggling. And he just, so bad. I mean, yeah, he, he his confidence is just completely yeah. gone. That yep. being said. Even him without confidence, I think, is still better than Desmond Ritter because Ritter is not a NFL starting quarterback. So yep. um, I'm not taking that, but I, I I like your logic there. The next game, the last of the NFC South teams, the Bucks plus three and a half visiting the Packers. Nothing. Give me the Bucks. Baker's playing well. Evans another yeah, like thousand it. yard season. These guys, I think they're they're playing well enough, and I think also like the Giants just completely shut down the Packers. Like all the Bucks need to do is just watch that game film and say, okay, let's, let's try this. And, and between that and them being able to, to move the ball a little bit, I, I just, I think this is going to be a, a slow, ugly game, but I, you know, mm. give me the points in a type of game like that. Yeah. The four o'clock slate, the 49ers versus the Cardinals. Nothing. 12 point line. Nothing for me. So this is one of my maybes, and okay. my maybe is on the Cardinals. The reason being, the 49ers are coming off a, a few a few big games in a row here, and next week they're going up against the Ravens, and I believe that's a Sunday night game. So okay. yeah, I think this might be a, an area where they're like, hey, we're the more talented team. Let's get through this without any injuries, and they just, they they play like they're going to play their game, but I don't know if their foot's going to be on the pedal the whole time. I think they're going to be looking a little bit forward to say, Hey, we're the best team in the NFC right now. Next week, we're going up against the best team in the AFC. Let's actually see where we stand and 12 points is a lot. So that's, that's a maybe for me right now. We'll decide in uh in just a few games here. So four games left the commanders versus the Rams, the Rams minus six and a half at home. I, I went back, back and forth on this a bit. Um, <clears throat> I think that points will be scored in this game. I'm taking the Rams minus six and a half. Doesn't that sound still sound like a lot of points? Yeah, I don't hate that. that. Do you think it's a fair line? No, yeah, I think that's a fair line. So two weeks ago, I was on the Commanders. I think it was plus nine and a half. We had a head ahead in which the Commanders were going against the Dolphins, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. same logic there. It's not in Miami. That one was in uh, Washington, yep. and I had that logic, and I got burnt by it. So I'm still just. I'm a little sour on that, so I'm staying away. But if I were to bet this, it would be on the Rams. The Rams have been playing well. I mean, they just they put up a lot yeah. of points against a, a very, well, very good Ravens team last week. That's that's what I say. I mean, you know, the Rams have had 37, 36, and 37 the last three weeks. I think this could be another high scoring game. Um, I, I think Sam Howe can can put some points on the board too hmm. for uh, for Washington. Maybe I'll pick I, him I think, up for uh, fancy. Well, I'm I'm kidding. if if Stroud's out, I'm really considering it. Um. <laughs> So yeah, I, and I think that's a possibility as well. But uh, I, I just, I, I, I just think you know having that kind of in the back of my head. I think that six and a half, uh, uh, you know, despite you know the Commanders coming off of just two awful losses back to back to the Cowboys and the Dolphins, two really really good teams. Um, you know, I still think that they they can compete with LA, but uh, but not to the tune of of um, you know b- being within those six and a half points. So I'm going to take. Uh, Take the Rams minus six and a half. Is that your five? Do you have do you have any That's left? My five. No, well, okay. You have, have you given a pick yet? <laughs> I have. Uh, I just I've, given them all. I've given two and a half so far with three games left. So <laughs> yeah, you okay. know that I have some uh, comments <laughs> on the right. next few games. The first one being the Cowboys versus the Bills. The Bills are minus two and a half. Actually, I think that actually dropped to two uh, just before uh, before we were recording. I'm taking the Bills minus two here. The 
Cowboys are a completely different team at home on turf versus yeah. outdoors and on the road and especially in the Northeast. So I haven't looked they, at the forecast, they but slow I down. it's going to be horrible there. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. The Bills, just, yeah. the Bills had such a great win last week. And yes, the Cowboys have, have come off two great wins, but they're on the road. And, and this is, this is just a letdown spot for them. I think the Bills are a more, uh, I'd say a more disciplined team at this point. And I, I, I expect the Bills to, uh, to, to win this one pretty handily. The next game, Ravens versus Jags. And this is my last maybe. And it's on the Ravens, minus three. The One of the reasons I'm looking at this is last week, the Ravens went against the Rams, as we talked about. And I think they they overlooked the Rams. They were lucky to come out with that win. I think they were looking ahead to this game because in the AFC, the Jags are the division leader. The only other team that they're really competing against right now is the Dolphins and, and the Chiefs, who are both at, I think, eight and five and, and nine mm-hmm. to four respectively. So I think the Ravens were looking ahead at this, be like, Hey, we can get one game up on another AFC team. Let's, let's, uh, let's prep for this. And, you know, I, I'm very, very close to making this, this, I, yeah, either this or the Cardinals, my, uh, my uh, last pick in the, yeah, I, I, I like it. But by the way, that Raiders score is uh 56 to seven Raiders going into the fourth. They just recovered a fumble for a touchdown. Oh, wow. Who scored <laughs> for the, uh, <laughs> Uh, it was uh, Joshua Palmer. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I does Brandon Staley get on the plane? <laughs> like, are they tell the final zone? I'm home? shocked he's still on the team. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah, shocked. He should yeah. have been fired about two years ago. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. <laughs> All right. The last game, and we can spend a little bit more time on this. This is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Eagles are minus four on the road in Seattle. They're coming off two blowout losses, and I'd say about six to eight games in which they have not looked right. Yes, yeah. I mean, have uh, well, I guess I, I guess Miami would be the game that I would point to. Was that their best game this season? Miami defense's best game. Um, the, I mean, the Bills sneaking that one out, even though was they like probably didn't deserve fest. to win. Yeah, right. They didn't deserve to yeah. win that one. I, I mean. There's Chiefs, not a ton of games where they just like looked like this dominant team. Yeah. And and I think that, you you know, you play really good teams, you know, back to back to back to back to back. This is going to happen. Um, but they just looked lost the past two weeks. Uh, Seattle's not good. It's never fun going to play there. Um, but I mean, I don't have a play on it, so I'll let you uh, take over from here. But what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's 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 similar, I think. The last two weeks, I think, was more of a circumstance of playing six Super Bowl contenders in a row, or five or five Super Bowl contenders in a row, right? So, I think it was it was a lot of fatigue that came into it, and I also think you look at last last week, and you know, you think about how many times Jalen Hurts has fumbled, how many times Antonio, uh, not Antonio Brown, Jesus, uh, how, how many times hey, Brown has fumbled, and how many times um, Devontae Smith has fumbled, like those. I had like weird drops. Smith had very. Right? Very irregular drops last week. Those aren't typical. I think the pressure that was coming from from the defensive line, but those games is not typical. I think our offensive line has some work to do. And honestly, I think this is we don't really know who's playing quarterback. Like Gino might play. They're saying. Well, I, yeah, um, I was going to say I don't know if he's um, if, if it's Drew Lock, if it's Gino. Yeah. But either way, I, I kind of see this playing out the same. I think the defensive line. Fletcher Cox had some very strong words about how the the team, you know, you you hear what Kelsey says, but when a guy like Fletcher Cox has these type of words, mm-hmm. I think everyone listens. It's like, hey, this is what we're we're here for. Like, I, I'm going to show up. And guess what? Fletcher Cox is old. He's big, and he showed up last week. He was playing, Dude, he's playing he, well. He's I playing know. He's really well. At a high level, he was yeah. fighting yep. even when they were losing. So. When you see guys like that doing it, I think it sends a message to the you know Jordan Davises of the world to be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, you step better, up yeah. your game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm on the Eagles minus four in this one. Um, so right. I have a question for you: Ravens minus three versus Jags, 49ers versus Cardinals plus twelve. Which one did I make a better case for? Oh boy, I think you made the better case for the Ravens. Okay. However, if I were to pick between those two games, I think I would take the Niners. <laughs> You would but, take but the I, Niners or the Cardinals? The Niners. Wow. Hey, you okay. are the you were you were considered. I was the Cardinals, on the right. I was on yeah, the Cardinals yeah, yeah. plus twelve. Yeah. So I, I think my, my vote there for you would be the Ravens. Okay. So if that's the case, you've been two and eight in the past two weeks. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals as my favorite. <laughs> <football. laughs> Hilarious. 
There Hilarious. There we go. All right. So my five, I have the Titans minus three uh, against the Texans, the Bucks plus three and a half versus the Packers, the 49ers versus the Cardinals plus 12, Cowboys versus the Bills minus two, Ravens minus three versus the Jags. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Eagles minus four versus Seahawks. All right. And my five and a week goes like this. Bengals minus three playing the Vikings. The Rams minus six and a half at home versus the Commanders. The Titans minus three playing the Texans. The Chiefs minus seven and a half in New England. And the Panthers plus three at home versus the Falcons. Get your 45 cent tickets. Five and a week. So we have one of the same games this week. The past few weeks, we've, uh, I think it was two weeks we, ago. We have we had either had the same games. Yeah. 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 Fights or, uh, or mm-hmm. uh, agreements. Yeah. We shall see. Place your bets. For Joseph Manera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?